0: Ladies and gentlemen, it is election week. And even though you're going to be listening to this after the election, we're kind of in a unique place because we get to gauge the mental health of ourselves in America as we go into this huge election. Uh, Maybe people will be listening to to, to this in a time capsule. and It'll be a time when everybody's happy and well. But right now, this is election sweeps. It's mental health sweeps because everybody is on edge. This is... A mental health comedy podcast. Myself, Ed Krasnick, my co-host Jennifer Kalari, we talk about mental health issues and we practice resilient skills, mental health skills, because mental health, turns out, is a practice. And you will know when more people are practicing it because it won't be the way it is now. The world will be different People will have a different language for how they talk about their thoughts and feelings. And that's what mental health is. How do you relate to your thoughts and feelings? It's not that you have thoughts and feelings. It's how do you communicate with them? It's a two-way conversation. We're going to talk about a lot of things today. One thing that we're going to talk about is the nuclear family reactor. I would call it that. Because what if you have different political views in the same family. What if people are are voting with different interests? How does that work? Family is a system, right? And this government is a system. And sometimes the system doesn't work. And you have to take a look at the system. And the same is true for the way you parent yourself, the way you relate to yourself. Is this stuff that I'm doing, this system of the way I take care of myself, is it working? And if it's not working, we make a shift. We make a shift. We elect to do something different. Maybe. Not me, but maybe you. There's still time for you. It's over for me. We have a very special guest today. This guy is an old friend from San Francisco. We started stand-up in the Bay Area in San Francisco, and he has gone on to become one of the premier voice actors, actor, comics in the world. He is the voice of Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life, He is Detective Garcia from Reno 911. He has a million things going all the time. Carlos Alazraki will join us shortly. There is so much going on in podcasting, but there's also an incredible amount of stuff, especially politically, going on on talk radio. And I wanted to play for you a talk radio show that I heard in the afternoon, just a one-minute excerpt. When you're confused, when you're under stress, when you're uh, experiencing A lot of unwell uh, feelings and a lot of a lot of you don't see everything. You don't get the perspective.
1: Welcome back to the Bob Scott Show. Substituting for Bob Scott is God.
0: Hello, line six. Hello, Bob. Bob is out. This is God.
1: Whatever. Where can I get some Foo Fighters tickets?
0: Oh, just mail me a request and I'll take care of it.
1: Great. I'll mail right off. Uh, Where do I send it?
0: Send it anywhere. I'm omnipresent. Hi, you're on the air. I never believed in you. I don't believe in you now,
1: and I never will believe in you. Hey, my eyes, I can't see. I can't see.
0: Mine, too. Is this God? You got him. Wow. The God? With no others before me. What's up?
1: Oh, this is great to talk to you. I've waited my whole life to talk to God, and now here I am. Uh, well, here's
0: your big chance. Whatever you wanted to ask. Uh, so where's Bob?
1: We return after the break to the Bob Scott Show. Hosted by God.
0: Jim Earl and Barry Lank, Barry Lank and Jim Earl, Lank and Earl, and they had so many great bits, such great comedy writers. And we used to sit in the Holy City Zoo, an 80-seat comedy club in San Francisco with the Last Day Saloon pounding away the music next door, and we would watch Lank and Earl on stage. And they, had, they were extremely satirical extremely funny. I wanna welcome you in with some emotional shout outs this election special, it's all election related. If you're worried that your absentee ballot has notes for your will on it, welcome. If you had your Civil War reenactment uniform dry cleaned, welcome. If you've been making calls to voters and now realize that freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose, welcome. If you're so stressed out that you butter your hand thinking it was breakfast, welcome. If you're getting inspired to see the democratic process at work so you will be moving to Norway, welcome. If you realize that everything's possible in any moment and that we'll get through this, welcome. And if you happen to be beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. I want to bring in our friend uh, Jennifer Kalari and Jennifer... So, for people in America right now, people in the world that they are under such stress, they're both jittery, extremely worried, nervous, and also completely exhausted. Yes, it's like you had a cup of coffee and now you have to lay down. What can you tell us in terms of in terms of how we can sort of moderate everything so that we don't go completely
2: insane yeah, you know it it is hard, and the thing about everything that's going on is anxiety is contagious. It really is. It's incredibly contagious. It's I'm sure more than the virus that's spinning around right now. We have this herd mentality where we are looking towards each other. And if we're all fretting, then we all start fretting and it just becomes this kinetic thing that that we're all experiencing. So I think, you know, uh, trying your best to think about what you're focusing on. What are you thinking about? There's two kinds of anxiety. There's useful anxiety oh, that bookshelf's going to fall on me. I should get out of the way. And then there's useless anxiety, which right now in this moment, if you're worrying about something that you can't control right now, you've already voted, it's done. Now you just got to wait. Or you've written that exam and, you know, you can't stress about it anymore, it's done. Um, That kind of useless anxiety just spins around in your body. And so it's really, it's sort of taking charge and thinking, okay, I'm going to think about things that I can control I can send my mind in a direction where I actually biochemically feel a little better in my body. Honestly, if for the next little while, it's just focusing on something else. It's you know don't don't get so caught up in things. Go outside, go for a walk. Look at the sun. Look at the I don't know beautiful clouds in the sky. Look at the flowers. Just try anything that you can to pull yourself into a more neutral space. Because here's the thing: if you've already voted, you can't do anything else. So now it's just time to wait. And it, your body, your midbrain cannot tell the difference between you stressing about, about this election and some, t- you know, a, a saber-toothed tiger that's chasing you down the street. It doesn't understand. It thinks that you are under attack. So you really have to do that thing where you say to yourself, "Okay, is this something that I can do something about right now? Is there an imminent danger to me right now in this moment? No, there is not. Okay, so then when when you put yourself in that different place, take control of your brain make it focus on something else something neutral something pleasant um, anything that you can you know what's happening in in the united states is happening all over the world this this extreme polarization and in my job as a family therapist i see this every single day in people's homes and when people are coupled up there's usually one person who is this is ridiculous we need some rules this kid's out of control we got to do something And the other parent is, oh, it's not his fault. He's hungry. He's a little tired. So there's this this incredible polarization that happens in homes all over the place. And what happens with parents, for example, is they try to compensate for what they believe is a weakness in the other one's parenting by doubling down on their parenting, which means the softer parent has to get softer and the harsher parent has to get harsher. And you end up a caricature and completely ineffective, both of you. If you're the sort of harsher parent, the one who's more around limit setting and rules, you might have your kids behaving better, but they're not going to come and tell you if something's wrong. And if you're the parent that's always bending the rules and, oh, they're tired and it's not their fault and, oh, I feel bad setting a limit, they might talk to you about what's wrong. But when it's time to get them to bed, they're going to be running around the house screaming and not listening to you at all. So I see this uh, in a micro level all the time in people's homes. In focusing what
0: you do with yourself, because we talk about self-parenting, you're straddling that line with the parts of you that are fight or flight and the parts of you that are reasonable and making choices and conscious. And also there's an addiction to what I would call, you know, conflictual media, Mm-hmm. Which is basically uh, driving you towards a conflict, whether you're on one side or the other side, it's not it's being reported in a in such a way that it draws you in and you become you actually gain some pleasure from the fight or flight yeah. response. Yeah. So so how do you how do you calibrate that? How do you make choices and say, okay, hey, I went down the rabbit hole a little bit, but I can bring myself back by just taking a breath or turning it off mm-hmm. or thinking, like you said, thinking of something more neutral or thinking of a better thought, reaching for a better thought, yeah. or just monitoring what you're doing and saying it out
2: loud, shouting it out and just saying, oh, look at me, I'm going down the doom hole. Right. Well, and here's the other thing, and this is, this is true when I have couples in my office. If you're busy blaming and trying to uh, put everything on the other side, Right, so if, if, if you know, if you're you're looking at it as the other person's fault all the time, and I often have people in my office who literally sit down and they think I'm going to completely take their side and straighten their partner out, right? Um, and the truth is, you can never change another person ever. You only have control over yourself. So if your partner has a problem, then guess what? You have a problem. And if you don't like the the behavior in your partner, then look to yourself. What am I doing that's bringing out that reaction from my spouse? And if on a level, if we could do this, like look at our country and think about that, if both sides just thought, okay, what's going on in me that is causing the other side to have to respond? That What does that say about me? What does that say about my side? And then if everyone could kind of look and see what they could do to change and really understand, if we sort of break it down to a parent, two parents, right, that, that have this very different parenting style, both parents want their child to be safe. Both parents want their child to function (laughs) as an adult, right? Both uh, parents love their child very, very much and just want their child to be successful and happy. And I think the country wants that too. We're so stuck in the battle. We're so dug in on both sides that nothing's getting done. Nothing. Conversations aren't even happening. And how can healing happen if there aren't even conversations?
0: Well, this is the thing I've been volunteering with some of the different organizations, and they try to tell us, to train us, to listen. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to convince. We're listening. We're going to have empathy. What's going on in your life? How are you doing with what's happening right now? What's important to you? What's your life like? What are your challenges? And you just listen. And some people find it so amazing because nobody's listening to them they're not listening to themselves and no one else is listening yeah. and so it's just a cacophony of reaction mm-hmm. the other thing is that i find this black and white thinking will tell you everybody's thinking toward the election now but nobody's thinking beyond the election mm-hmm. the work is every day this is daily stuff right we have to change this country mm-hmm. we have to change certain things in it but the work goes on after the election what are you going to do now? And so you got to have a sustainable way to take care of yourself and to communicate with other people, no matter who they are and to communicate with yourself even more importantly. Right. I want to bring in our guest for today too. Uh, You know, this guy I've always been a fan And I remember talking to him in the back of the Holy City Zoo or the other cafe or all the places in San Francisco. He started originally in the Bay Area in San Francisco, came to L.A., became an enormous voice actor, very versatile stand-up improviser, supreme voice actor. Dad, the voice of Rocco's Modern Life, Rocco, and Detective Garcia on Reno 911. Happy Feet, literally Hundreds of shows over the last decades. Carlos Alazraki. Carlos, Good. I, I, I said I said that like I was a radio host in Bakersfield.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'll be at the Fox tonight with
0: Buck <laughs> Owens. Yeah, with and the Buckaroos
1: and the Buckaroos.
0: First of all, uh, it's great to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I know you have a you have a family. You yeah. have a very busy life how are you managing with everything that's going on like where are you right now
1: i I, it was interesting to listen to the conversation between you and jennifer because i have been swimming in all of that i'm a three time a week uh analytical therapist guy for the last 10 years and then therapy in general since 94 and the growth from analytical has been exponential i wish i had started but given all that when you are co-parenting and trying to to get along with with kids with at-home learning there are just certain levels of stress that we realize we, we can't avoid. They, they will happen. And also the social media uh, battles. Mm-hmm. I, I have gone down the rabbit hole a couple of times. And sometimes we are multiplying by zero when we're arguing with, we're not going to change someone's mind. We, we seem to want to feel some sense of a victory. And that gives us the illusion that we've won something when we, we tweet out a comment. So I've definitely done all that. But... I like everybody else, realize when uh, I'm in discussions about anything political that everybody's afraid. Everybody wants an answer. I did a, a speaking engagement with a guy named Sargon, a gamer, a British guy named Benjamin, whose code name or whatever was Sargon, who got into his level of public speaking through an argument where people were complaining about not enough female avatars in gaming. And he said, That's absolutely ludicrous. It's preposterous. And preceding. Preceding the my speaking with him, and I found out him to be a very nice guy, albeit his fans were a lot of uh, incel-type people, Trumpers, yada, yada, I watched the Monk debates from Monk University in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson, Michael Eric Dyson, Michelle Goldberg, and Stephen Fry. And Stephen Fry made a great statement. He says, when debating... I learned from a chess master that it's not often when you're playing chess, the best move isn't always the best chess move. The best move in chess is to make the move that your your adversary least expects. Mm -hmm. And I went, oh, that's brilliant. And so when I went to the speaking engagement, I just started out by saying, hey, I I hear you. I know you want to be heard. I know you're wearing Trump hats. I disagree with you, but I know everybody here wants to be heard tonight. So it was a way to begin what I've thought look like more discourse rather than yelling and so i'm learning as i go i'm scared like everybody else i'm angry like everybody else i fear that the the country no matter what the outcome is still riddled with cancer uh even if biden wins and that i'm hoping there's some sort of uh, remedy for that but we are up against if you watch the social review and i watched or the social dilemma i watched the first 10 minutes that we are up against uh, something so insidious that we can't see it. In other words, I- I've said on Stephanie Miller several times, I don't think there can ever be another Martin Luther King because that would get shot down on Alex Jones, on Fox. It would get shut down immediately. So when the, when one other side can control the facts, then it's going to make it very hard for us to break through with a revolutionary character. Even if, if you believe in this 2,000-year-old story, Even if Christ himself were to come back, nope, not going to happen. His message would not get heard by half the people. So we're in a very interesting time where we're, you know, Pandora's box was opened and I I don't know how we shut it. And that is what provides my daily level of stress. Like, you know, I talked to my therapist, you can't run away from everything. There's no perfect spot in the world. There might be spots in the world that are more recluse, that have different governments where the electoral college doesn't exist, but this is this is worldwide so it this is this is what provides uh a lot of my daily fear is how do we cope and as you were talking about trying to entertain other things what can i control i have been working on that i did vote i try to lay off social media a lot more because i realize it does uh bring up a lot of anxiety Mm -hmm. on things Mm -hmm. i cannot control that's, that's my brief, lo- elongated introduction of how I'm coping uh, today.
0: One of my favorite speakers, philosophers, Thich Nhat Hanh, mm-hmm. the Buddhist minister, yes. would say that stopping is an action. Mm-hmm. It's not a resignation. It's actually a very active thing to do. And sometimes you need to stop mm-hmm. because you cannot continue with the pace that, that the media is driving you towards. Yep. You have to stop and you have to have a little bit of quiet and you have to be able to figure out what you're thinking and what you're feeling. You need that every day and you need that many times a day. Yes. And you always have the opportunity to do that. And then what am I going to make choices about? What am I going to choose in this moment? I think the more that mental health becomes, and, and I hate to say it, but I don't hate to say it, it's popular. It needs to have a popular effect, like that it's becoming that more and more people talk about it and have conversations about it and realize that everybody has thoughts and feelings and how we relate to them is, is going to determine a lot of the choices that we make yep. or how we react. And so this happens no matter what. This is about, self, this is about self-parenting. It's about, it's about self-care. Mm-hmm. And we all go up and down. Yep. But we all have a chance to make a different choice in any moment. We all go up and down.
2: Well, here's what I think. I mean, if we just did this, instead of thinking like, how do I deal with all of this? Just, you know, ask the question, who do I want to be when I deal with all of this, right? Mm -hmm. Even that question, who do I want to be is huge, right? How do I want to talk to the people around me? Do I want to be adding to the chaos? Do I want to be a voice of hope? that's why the, you know, the idea of useful anxiety and useless anxiety is really important right now, mm-hmm. right? Useful anxiety is if something's you know falling on you and you got to get out of the way and useless anxiety is stressing and fretting over something that we, right now, other than waiting, we don't know what to do, right? So if you just kind of imagine that your little microcosm, your little world, your little home, you're doing the best that you can you're the best person that you're trying to be the fabulous person you want everyone else to be and if everyone did that do the math we would actually solve this problem i know it sounds so simple and so crazy but it's the truth and this swinging although it's extreme now because of social media and everyone's so afraid but this swing is not new we've been on this swing for thousands of years back and forth back and forth we just never realize that we need to be in the middle somewhere.
0: Yeah. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg, didn't she talk about America as a pendulum Mm -hmm. and it goes back and forth? And it's, you know, when FDR came in, look at look at the state of the world at that time. There was there was a lot of challenge at that time. And there'll always be a lot of challenge. It's just like you say, the media is has infiltrated and our lack of connection with each other because of different
2: right well, what people of only media. listen to their side they only listen to their truth they don't want to hear the other side and they and if the truth conflicts with their truth it's not the truth you don't actually have any kind of vision of what everyone else is seeing because you're only watching what you're seeing so carlos you made such a good point like really not not being on a steady diet constantly i mean people are probably yeah. going to be for the next few days but mm-hmm. You just can't, you just have to turn it off. You have to walk outside. You have to see that there's you know other stuff going on, and there people are being nice to each other and getting along and not you know it it, it there's there's so much more good news than bad news, and you would never know that,
1: from
2: yeah the news,
1: yeah. We talk about responding rather than reacting. Yes. Our, our first impulse yeah. is to react. Yeah. And then if we take a little bit of time to think and go, okay, this really upset me, but how can I respond? And I've been pretty good. And then sometimes you slip, like Ed said, you of go course. down that rabbit hole, but that—that that is the difference, right? How do I respond? i have uh, It's interesting. I've had some really, I've like let go of some people because on the far left, you mm-hmm. know, Sure. My thing is that I'm not pretending that Joe Biden is my savior. You're pretending that one exists. Yeah. We agree. It's a strategy thing. I'm just saying your strategy, I don't think is the correct strategy, but it's met with such altruism that it's just like, okay, this is going nowhere. Yeah, I've got to shut it down, you know, and that's- yeah that's the problem i think is people embrace sides that are altruistic and it's either black it's so black and white it's like yeah. it's okay to compromise it it doesn't you don't lose anything on your quest don quixote you still get to put on your armor and go chase windmills yeah. but i'm just saying that this yeah. if as my therapist says if you're awake you realize this needs to noam chomsky anybody Sometimes we're duty bound to vote against the greatest evil. And I'm sorry that you don't, there's not a false autonomy. There's not a reality. Your reality doesn't exist. The reality is right now we have two choices. One will stop the other, not the perfect choice, but it's probably not probably, it is the best strategy. And unfortunately people won't embrace that because they feel, I guess that they'll lose something, some street cred or some political cred. It's like, yeah, for me to keep mining that, that's thats the behavior that's not going to help me.
2: Yeah. And that's okay. When, you, when there are people in your life and you feel like it's literally toxic, like it's, it's so fired up when you talk to them and it's literally coming from this place of fear and anger and nothing good happens there. Yeah, good, good stuff comes when you wind up with love. I love this country. I, you know, I love my neighbor, even though they have a different idea. Being in a community does mean compromise there. It's impossible, even in a family, mm-hmm. right? It happens in, in your family, with your kids, with your husband or your wife. It's you have to learn how to find that balance point. And we, we talk about standing in the canoe. That's what it is. Yeah. Life is standing in a canoe.
1: I don't have yeah. any data, but I, I, I was talking to Lori Kilmartin and I was talking about arguing with the far left and she goes, they don't have kids. And I go, I always felt that. I think a great deal, and I'll mention him, Jimmy Dore. I think a great deal of his following and his, his comedic comedy tour following. Itself, I would guess that 90% of them don't have children. So to me, they don't understand compromise. Yeah. They don't understand that families aren't perfect. Yeah. They don't understand. Yeah. They have an idealism that when you're a parent and your freaking kids are sick and in eh, school, I don't have time to deal with that stuff. My reality is way different than yours. And in, in my opinion, they, they can't, it's not tangible to them.
2: Well, yeah. And not just even, it's not even that, that you're pulled in so many directions. Everyone in a family has so many different truths. Everyone yeah. has their own reality and they are often in conflict, right? So yeah. you you will lose that battle every time with your kids and, and your spouse. Yeah. If you think you're the only one that's right. It's, you, you have to yep. understand the <laughs> fractals of the truth and that you have to be yeah. able to see towards the middle. You've got to be able to stand in that canoe. And that's not easy.
1: People who don't face that, I don't think get it. It's not tangible to them.
2: You know, my own
0: family, we talked about reactivity, Mm -hmm. just reacting and the fact that it happens and the fact that there is another way to, you know, there could be another way to to go and to talk about that, Mm -hmm. you know, and just name it, call it out, because this is a time of great reactivity, and just to know that that's what you're doing
2: mm-hmm.
0: and, and to say, okay, uh, let me step back from that and let me see if I can make a, a different choice, if there's a way that I can go here. And usually it's about not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Usually it's about just listening. Yep. You can let the other person freak out and you let them freak out.
1: Yep. yep. That's
0: it. That's what, a, that's what a parent-kid relationship is mm-hmm. some of the time. I didn't understand that. I thought that I had to stop everything. I thought mm-hmm. that I had to fix everything. And I think it's the same way with the country. You know, I need to listen to my neighbor. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have a different opinion. I don't have to fix. I don't have to change. I don't have to convince. What's going on in your life? How are you doing? What's happening with you?
1: Yeah. I found when I made the speech in New York with the people with Trump hats and they said, these people in the on the left pushed me to the other side, mm. whether or not it was the only choice to to react in the way they did. I disagree with. But I go, I get it. I was the voice of the Taco Bell dog and I got hate calls from people that saying uh, I was like a disgrace. And it's a it's a hate crime against Latinos for being the voice of a talking dog. So I go on that. I agree with you. I got pushed to a place by what I call over political correctness to where I could empathize with your feeling. I just didn't make the choice you did. Mm -hmm. So here's where I can agree with you. I get it that you feel pushed by a certain segment where I've got to say this, I've got to say that. There is, yeah, there's intolerance abounds. So it is how we respond rather than react to it. Jennifer, what do you tell yourself when you're extremely
0: stressed out? Mm -hmm. Because the country, what's happening right now is the country is getting, they're just storing stress. Like every day you have Corona, you have the election, you have all the stuff that's going on in your own family, you have financial and you just take it on. So it's almost like post-traumatic stress every day.
2: Yeah. A lot of people are in so much pain. Here's what I do personally, and this is what I recommend the the families that I work with do. If you're looking you know, across at, you know, the other person's point of view, you're gonna get stuck in that ping-pong game. Like when I have couples come in and they do marital counseling, it literally goes like this, and it's basically like tennis. Well, you do this. Well, I wouldn't do that if you didn't do this. Well, I only do that because you do this. I could literally get up and walk out of the session and they wouldn't know that I was gone. They're just (laughs) ping-ponging back and forth, right? And the idea is that you can never change the other person. You can only change yourself. And if they Mm -hmm. have a complaint about you, look inward. Is that true? Do I do that? Do I bring Mm -hmm. that out in my wife? Do I bring that out in my husband? What do I own? What can I take control of? And that's where you actually have power. The Mm -hmm. other thing is to widen the lens so when I start freaking out about the election, I just think, okay, whatever happens, whichever way it goes, stuff is being stirred up. If things are being exposed. We are seeing things that we didn't see under the polish before. Like we're, we're seeing stuff that needs to be fixed. And yes, it's going to be ugly and it's going to be hard, but I think both sides want the same things, really, truly. Mm-hmm. And to be looking for that parts integration, what, what, what are we saying that that we both want that we can actually agree on? Yeah. So a question that you ask, you can ask yourself
0: when you're watching MSNBC or you're watching Fox News or you're having a, a heated conversation or whatever's going on with you this week, you can actually ask yourself a question, what's going on with me? Mm-hmm. What's happening with me right now? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? How am I doing in the, in this moment? What am I doing in this moment?
2: And remembering, too, that where where you feel pain right? So if you're watching something and you hear something uh, somebody says that you don't like and you feel that pain, that's information. That, that is a clue. Follow the pain, right? Mm-hmm. That's telling you something about yourself, something that's triggered you, something from, that, that's an issue for you, something you, you know you do or shouldn't do. Like, look there, look inward. It's very freeing. I know it sounds crazy, but it, it really is. This actually allows you to feel like you have some control. It really does. Yeah.
1: We are going to feel the pain. You just can't avoid it. it. It's how how are you going to deal with it? I was in the bubble finishing up filming in Reno on Saturday night, and we had planned this backyard theater night. It was a movie that I was in in 2000. The kids are going to come. My daughters have never seen it. It was a special night. And while we're filming, I'm like, I'm not going to make it. Okay. And I'm sitting there going, okay, this hurts. I'm pissed off. The, you know, I, I even said the line from, uh, Plain strains and I don't know. Those are the precious moments. They, they don't come back again. You know, <laughs> yeah. and I was upset. I was pissed. And I said, well, what can I do? I can't do anything. I'm here. Uh, I'll sit with it. it it's not going to feel great. Uh, be professional. Uh, say goodbye. And I, I'm. it's not going to happen. And that was the hardest thing. But it worked. It, it worked. Work. It did not prevent yeah. me from feeling the pain of it. But it did help that I didn't uh, exacerbate it with things that I had no control of. Well, and
2: that's what those emotions are for. Those negative emotions are information, right? It Mm -hmm. tells you something and it can't tell the difference between you missing an important event or you put your hand on a hot stove. Emotions are really Mm -hmm. – and negative feelings are there to teach you something. Right? Mm-hmm. If you literally stop, turn around and walk right into it, oh, this does feel terrible. And okay, this is what it feels like when you have no control and when you had a great plan and now it's gone and I'm just going to let myself feel it. I'm going to let it wash over me. Mm-hmm. These are the contours and the contrasts in life that actually make the great moments greater. So you will have mm-hmm. such an amazing time when you when you reschedule that thing or do something else like it because that happened.
1: Yeah, even the hugs I got from my girls were, Brian? you know, monumental. It was <laughs> so. In that sense, it was it was worth it. Yeah. So
2: that's why, if we can value the pain a little bit instead of run from it, because we we've said this, yep. before we psychotically run from negative emotions. Like we want to deaden them and buy something and smoke something and drink something and make it go away. But the more you push those feelings away, the more they come back. The more intensely they come back.
1: Carrie Ullwiz, as Wesley says in Princess Bride, life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling you something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a great movie. Oh, my God. Life should be more like The Princess Bride. And it is. Yeah. It is. Wesley. Carlos, you do so many voices. Yeah. How has that enabled you to deal with, the, with your own voices in your own head? Does it help? Does it enable you to do that?
1: Yeah, you know, and now during COVID, when we're in my booth, my little three by three booth with my microphone set up, finally got an AC unit because pre-portable AC unit, this thing heated up and I would literally jump in the above ground pool after about an hour of working. But yeah, I've been fortunate to be able to exercise my vocal demons in here and go crazy and go nuts and come out of the booth blessed to have work It helps because I'm creating, right? I'm writing with another partner where we write scripts, which we may never see the light of day. So there's a different feeling associated with that. But getting to create and getting paid for and getting those voices out, because I don't do as much stand-up anymore, it does help. And even there are some uh, studios now with protocol. I went and did a quick voiceover job for a new cartoon and made up two characters on the spot. And that was wonderful and cathartic. Because prior to that, I was at the bank and trying to get my laps in and, and raging because the card wouldn't work. And I went, "Oh, I I know what's happening. The election's coming up t- tomorrow. I'm stressed. Yeah, I'm like, try yeah. to slow this down. Try to slow this down. And uh, yeah. so once I get here or talk or get in the booth or get voices out, I think it helps tremendously. We're because we're focused. We're focused on what we're doing for one thing. Right. And then it's a beautiful endeavor. It's I'm very lucky lucky to be able to make voices and and make a living. That being said, the flip side of what we talked about, there's the pain of auditioning and not getting, you know, 75% of the things I audition for, I don't get. And so that's the reality I've learned over time to live with, you know, and it's something I impart on my wife who's working with my daughters when they audition. And I'm like, honey, it's, it's a numbers game. You just got to keep going. You can impart that on a child and that is the dangerous part about show business with kids. And so we try to really work with those things. And it segues over into there are auditions where Riley's working on it and she gets frustrated and she starts to rage. And I say, you know what, let's do this tomorrow. And Riley, if you don't want to act, and I know sometimes you're not able to say this to us, let us know. You don't have to do this, but it appears that you really like it because you love your acting class and you love it when you've gotten a job. It appears you hate the process of working through an audition. But please, we are always there to say, you don't want to do this. Not a problem. But it's it's hard. It's a, it's an interesting dance because sometimes a child can't communicate that. But we're working with that.
2: I mean, that's, that's a, a really good example of it. And you do have to do many more auditions than you get. But then when you get the the job, it's extra sweet. It's- but that's yeah. that's a life lesson anyway and just as parents, you know we we try to protect our kids from all of that right? Oh yeah, everyone gets a trophy. Well no, not everybody gets yeah. a trophy. okay It doesn't yeah. work that way. You, you maybe should get a sticker, not a trophy for showing up. So mm-hmm. there are so many life lessons and if we don't teach our children those lessons, life will. And life is yep. a bit of a teacher. it really is.
0: Yeah and, and the best teacher is she's gonna watch you. Yeah, And she's going to see how you are. How's daddy's face? Yeah. How does he look when he sure. gets frustrated? How does he look when he deals with a challenge? How does he look when he doesn't get an audition that he went up for?
1: Yeah, and sometimes I'm a good example and sometimes not. You know, when, when Riley rages, she can rage. It scares my wife a little bit. And I'm like, oh, she's me. You know, <laughs> I'm, yeah. the, I'm the lifelong therapy guy that's like, well, that's her. That's what emotion she's giving us right now.
2: I would be more worried if she kept it all in, honestly. Yeah. Because yeah.
1: I did as a kid.
2: Yeah. And, yeah.
1: you know, I thought, I don't, I'm not allowed to do this. And I'm like, whatever, you know, if she breaks something that'll, that's not nice. It's like, oh, well, yeah. that's a different story. But if she's going to scream and say, I hate you, I hate my sister and yada, yada, I'm like, all right, got that out. Let's find out what that's about if we can. Right. Yeah. Sorry,
2: I'm sorry. my dog. One second, and, and
0: and even and even dogs, even dogs have ag- have anger oh, sometimes. Yeah. Even they react. Good. Jennifer's dog is reacting because mm-hmm. she hasn't given her absentee ballot yet. Yeah, and the, she doesn't know that you have to walk it down. You got to put it in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Don't chew it. But walk it down and put it in the ballot box. It's got to be an official
1: box, not one with a cat on it, because those
0: put it in the box. Yeah. Put it in the box and make sure you use that outer sleeve, Mm -hmm. Uh, which still, you know, it amazes me this this whole process that is not simple. Yeah. It's like the one thing in the country that we have or that we did have is like the process of voting for a candidate. Mm -hmm. Is it simple? It's not simple. No, we still don't make it simple, but it's a, it's a day-to-day experience. What I was going to ask you, Carlos, mm-hmm. is you were a kid, you say, who didn't express maybe mm-hmm. everything that was going on. What skill do you wish you had then that you have now? What skill could you have used? Because I know a million, there's a number of basic things. How would you have liked, liked it to be different? Because, of course, you can have that skill now.
1: I think the the acceptance of life being less than extraordinary all the time, that, you know, there was some belief in a fantasy world in the suburbs where parents are fighting, not a great marriage, eventually get divorced, that, you know, being funny and all that kind of stuff was escapism. And and I thought maybe if I get famous, that'll solve everything. So if I could go back as a child and just realize that, oh, uh, crap, I wish I could have the skill of breaking things down, thinking about it, and what is it that makes me happy because i always tried to make everybody like me that skill would be just having patience and the skill of accepting of reality of accepting reality i've always want i wanted i wanted that car that my neighbors had that color te- television that my neighbors had that person's better looking than i am i can't get that girl you know all those things but i guess those are those are natural things but to some extent i wanted to be funny and famous to get above my problems and so I wish I could go back and just go. And cause that's why I try to impart on Riley. Just, that's not that important. Cause she watches YouTube and TikTok, and this girl has this many followers. And I'm like, it's not important. Yeah. It's a skill that I'm trying to give her now. So, so you know, don't try to be somebody that, or try to get people to like you. You know that um, Doctor Seuss quote, right? Be yourself. Those that uh, uh, don't mind matter. I forget the quote, but we have it on our on our wall.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great that's a great quote. And I wish I could remember those who those who matter don't mind, right. and those who mind don't right. matter. Correct. Yeah, but and yeah, and I love my many colored days. It's so great. It's the simplest book. It's the one he wrote at the end of his life, and mm-hmm. it's about what he learned about life, and that is fantastic. I loved your Ricardo Montalban so much. It's yeah. stayed in my head all these years. Mm-hmm. And you used to do a bit about Ricardo Montalban and in Interstate 5. <laughs> what would it be like if he were dealing with what's going on now in the world and what? trying to lead and welcoming people to a fantasy island where things you wish that certain things weren't happening?
1: Let's try it. What would it be like? It might be a little something. <laughs> Yeah, Uh, yeah. My dear voters, welcome to Presidential Fantasy Island. You know, I used to talk about the Chrysler Cordoba Cordoba, with its rich Corinthian leather. And now we talk about Corona and the few rich who get tax breaks so billionaires can have all the wealth in this country. I hope that your accommodations are suitable on Presidential Fantasy Island, where we will have a vaccine momentarily and the virus will simply vanish out of thin air. We have championship golf here while millions suffer. We have KFC and the Sunshine Band 24-7. And remember, all doctors, scientists, and journalists are liars and idiots. So please check your masks at the door as you enjoy a dip in our remdesivir-infused jacuzzis. Welcome to Presidential Fantasy Island.
2: The plane! <laughs> Thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> Boss,
1: I'm coughing.
2: <coughs> Boss,
1: oh my I have God. Headaches. <coughs> Boss, oh, oh my Boss, I have God. service 24 seven. It's okay, tattoo. You don't need to wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs>
0: As you know, Carlos, Interstate
1: Five <laughs> is
0: a very boring road. I don't. But I must warn you.
1: But yeah. I must warn you: if you divert the one sixty-six over to one hundred and one through Paso Robles, there could be consequences. <laughs> and your accommodations. Accommodations. And then, did you know your great ancestor Tiborg was practicing in lycanthropy? What he was a werewolf. That was one of my favorites. Lycanthropy. <laughs> in
0: lycanthropy. Yeah. yeah. He was a great actor. He was such a great actor, but they would
1: give him scripts, and he probably
0: looked at them, and he said, I will do it
1: one more time. And here's the thing I found out, because my parents are from Argentina. The word is actually pronounced Cordoba, because it's from Spain. And for some reason, Chrysler wanted to Americanize it, and that must have been painful for him. I think he he is from Spain, to say Cordoba, because it's actually Cordoba. The accent is on the first O. So you oh knew he was goodness. like those sons of bitches. They want me to take Cordoba like an American because I have to sell this pinche car, okay? And he, he probably
0: he probably felt like Khan with Kirk. He probably said, "Yeah, I want to hurt you and buried
1: alive." <laughs> and Corinthian just means fake. It's vinyl. <laughs> yeah, it's vinyl. It's so funny this how is... that accent. because that later became the the uh, for the The Jewish fellow who did The Most Important Man. It, it, that became Jack Goldman, I think his name is. You, I may not always do the, uh, like drinking beer, but when I do, I prefer Dos Equis. I mean, that's totally Rourke, right? Yeah, that's the
0: world's most interesting man. Yeah. That was such a big campaign for so long. Yeah, really interesting, interesting character. A really great actor and had a really amazing career, but became known for... Fantasy Island, and for the Wrath of Khan, which yeah. which actually was really, I think it's a pretty pretty good movie. Yeah, to be honest. Well, I thank you for thank you for indulging us. And thank you. That was a pleasure.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's also nice to get an extra therapy session this week because <laughs> I think I'm going to miss Wednesday. So there you go.
0: There you go. That's what we aim to we aim to help. But if if nothing else, we're doing that. it's really great to talk to you and Likewise. thanks for thanks for doing this and,
1: and thank you Carl. You're, welcome. you're welcome Jennifer.
0: best to you and your family you too listen with my hairline we shall overcome i always say that <laughs> but but <laughs> we will um we will go on and we'll deal with the stuff as it as it yep. comes and and listen i'm just glad to know that things are things are okay for you yep. and that you're doing the stuff that you love to do because you're great at it.
1: You no, know, and likewise, this is an important podcast for people to listen, pay attention to themselves, as you say, self-love,
0: mm-hmm.
1: taking care of yourself first. So, not a bad thing. What's going on with me?
0: Everybody, please take care, stay well, have a good week, have a safe week. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick for Jennifer Kalari. We will see you next time.